Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. The food is incredible. The atmosphere and the ambiance and just the idea of going to Carbone is very exciting. So was other than you and Rufus, was there anybody truly famous there? I didn't notice anyone famous there when I was there, but I wasn't, I'm not a, I'm not a gawker. Right. You know, unless there's someone there that wants me to park their car, I'm not really needed. <laughs> so. Let me take the arrow out of my chest. Yeah, okay. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. By the way, on the subject of Carbone, uh, the socialite came over here yesterday and we watched Red Zone for a little while. He is a member of a golf club with the owner of Carbone. <laughs> and the owner has said to him, Alan, anytime. I've been looking at the menu. Anytime you want to come. Anytime. Porterhouse for two. How great is that, Alan? That's... That's a great connection. Share it with Alan, obviously. He likes um, the uh, tenderloin yeah. side. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dino Dinelli passed away. Shad writes a haiku. His name is inscribed on Tony Kornheiser's brain. Rest in peace, Dino. He was the drummer for the Rascals. Um, Nigel told me about this yesterday or the day before yesterday, right? Friday. Yeah, I didn't know about it. Yeah. So we send our best to his family and the other Rascals, of course. I've been lonely too long. One of the greatest songs of all time. Of all time. Pretty good drum beat on that one. <laughs> yeah. Pretty good. Yeah, fantastic. From John Buchanan in Annapolis, I'd like to invite you and my fellow Littles to register for a New Year's Eve celebration at O'Loughlin's in Arnold, Maryland, just outside Annapolis. My cover band, Warren Drive, will be the featured entertainment for the evening, and the $95 price includes premium open bar, three-course dinner, and champagne toast at midnight. Hope to see everyone there except Saliza, of course. It's at O'Loughlin's in Arnold, Maryland, just outside of Annapolis. That's pretty good for New Year's Eve. Yeah, it's not bad. A $95 price includes premium open bar, a three-course dinner, and a champagne toast at midnight and entertainment. That seem Does that not, Michael, seem pretty good? Yeah, all it's missing is a ride home. Yeah, right. Yeah, but that's... Well, a- you could get Eric because he's a ride home. <laughs> <laughs> you could do that. Yeah. All right, uh, a couple of things to talk about. Uh, uh, we received a very nice, from Michael Snyder, a very nice tribute and remembrance of Lewis Orr, who died on Thursday, maybe, or Friday, who was a great player at Syracuse, the Louis and Bowie show, Roosevelt Bowie and Louis Orr. He apparently, according to Michael Snyder, did not like to be called Louis, liked to be called Lewis. Um, yeah. Well, I'll just read a paragraph. Despite losing his father during his sophomore year, and maybe because of it, Lewis was admired by all for his ability to both grieve and grow. He was a quiet, dignified, religious man and made everyone feel comfortable immediately. When I b- brought some younger guys around from my high school alma mater, Nottingham and Syracuse, they were in such awe that they couldn't speak. It wasn't because he played at Syracuse. It was because he immediately spoke to them about their personal lives, their parents, and their hopes and dreams. Basketball never came up no matter how many visits they made. That's really quite lovely. When Lewis was ready for bed, or just to go somewhere to think, he would say, clock on the wall says that's about all. Damn clock ran out too soon. Thank you for that, Michael. I want to get to uh, some sports things. It was a fabulous sports weekend, beginning really with the World Cup. Well, but beginning with the craziness between the Vikings and the Colts. Now, the experiment with Jeff Saturday doesn't work. It doesn't work. You, you can't have a 33 nothing lead at the half and lose the game. And the reason you can't is because it's never happened before. It's never happened. It's like, whoa, this is rare. No, 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 no. It's never happened before. No team ever lost a 33 nothing lead in the history of the NFL. No team ever lost that. And the Colts lost that. You have to change your coaching staff immediately. You have to change your whole team. And The problem there, everybody likes to talk about the problem in Washington being the owner. The problem in Indianapolis is the owner. Okay, he's a fool. Jimmy Ursay inherited the team. Didn't go out and make a lot of money and buy the team. Inherited the team from the guy, Bob Ursay, who moved them in the middle of the night. In the middle of the night from Baltimore with Mayflower moving vans to Indianapolis. And Jimmy Ursay got lucky because he had Bill Polian working for him. And he got lucky because Bill Polian told him, uh, don't draft Ryan Leaf with the one. 
make sure you draft Peyton Manning with the one. And they drafted Peyton Manning. And then they drafted Andrew Luck. Didn't get lucky with him. They could have because he's a great player. He just was banged up a lot. But Jimmy Ursay, he's the guy who says, we should get rid of Dan Snyder. Somebody should get rid of you. Your team is inept. You know, you couldn't find a quarterback for four years. You fired a coach, a good man, Frank Reich, fired him. You put in somebody who's great on television, but had never coached before above the high school level, won the first game, looked great doing it, and has lost everything since. Mm -hmm. And this is a record loss. Then the next day was the World Cup. I don't know much about soccer, but that was exciting. Stars showed up. That was exciting. Oh, sure. Messi and Mbappe did everything you could have asked them to do. Wilbon, we'll have him on in a little while. Wilbon, who's been killing Messi for years, now sends me a story that some guy wrote at ESPN about how Messi didn't need the World (laughs) Cup for his legacy. Well, Wilbon's position, he says, it's the most thoughtful piece I've read. It's the one thing Wilbon thought he needed. (laughs) Yeah, Wilbon said that that's exactly what he needs. And I will explain this to you because I don't want to get caught up with this with Mike. This is a very American way about thinking about sports, that you have to have championships. You have to have rings. With their commercials with people say, you ain't got no rings. You know, it's very American because there are so many sports out there. And the only way to measure is who's won championships. The rest of the world doesn't look at it that way. To say that somebody has to win a World Cup when it's only contested every four years and you're only really going to get in your prime three shots at it and you're going against the rest of the world. To say that you have to win the World Cup, I'm not saying it's wrong because I happen to agree with it. But it's a very American way of looking at a sport that is an un-American sport. Now, by un-American, please get the context right. I don't mean that you know, Americans should hate it or it's anti-American. No, it's un-American. We use our hands in everything. They don't use their hands. We want to shoot and score at everything. We're the youngest country, by the way. We want to shoot and score in everything. And they don't do it that way. So it does not have... The sports values that we have doesn't have that. So for us to make judgments about it is rather absurd and um, self-satisfying. It's a dopey thing for us to do. And by the way, for us to proclaim we're just four years away. No, we're not. No, we're not. We're never going to be as good as them until our best kids play that sport. And they don't. And they won't. Because the money here is in basketball and football. It's not in soccer. Okay. So that's, I agreed with Wilbon that Messi needed that to be the greatest of all time, not to be one of the greats of all time. And when you ask me, well, who do you think is the greatest of all time? How do I know? I don't know anything about soccer. I would say Pelé because the only name I know. Why would you even ask me that? <laughs> no, like this is so great about ESPN. You put a guy on television, he thinks he knows everything. Now, you got every once in a while say you don't know everything. But I do know this. I know that the ending play in the New England game yesterday, the New England-Las Vegas game, was the worst play I've ever seen. In any sport, at any time, it was the worst play I've ever seen. One of the greatest plays if you're a Bills fan. Yeah. The stiff arm. I was was walking the dog today, got in a conversation with somebody who said, people are angry at Mac Jones for not tackling the guy. Mac Jones is 5'9", 180. That guy's a 400-pound guy. Stop. Stop with that. Don't be angry at Mac Jones. Be angry at the dope who threw the ball. Yeah, Stevenson. Who, first of all, Look at Slobo. started wow. running backwards. Yeah. They were down to about the 15. Yeah. Go out of bounds, go to overtime. He started running the other way at least 15 yards, then threw it the other way at least 15 yards. Who's he? Ronje Stevenson. What are you doing? Uh, he's a good running back, too. Uh, he's, he's Did he a- not know where the goal line was? Worst play I've ever seen. Did <laughs> yeah. you not think so when you I saw know, it? It's terrible. Everybody, everybody who texts, texts you and says, did you see this? So I'm watching on Red Zone. Yeah, me and, too. And I've checked out because I'm like, it's going to overtime. Of course. This is going to overtime. Like a bunch of games did. Yeah, it was a thrilling day. Yeah. Once again. Yeah. And then I looked up and I said, wait a minute, what, what, what's going on? 
And then you say, well, that can't have been, that can't have actually happened. No, you're, you're talking about legacy with the World Cup, and it's impossible to separate this from what the Patriots have been for a quarter of a century and from the coach who's been leading them there. What do you do if you're Bill Belichick? Well, you, uh, what do you do? You can't cut the guy. What do you do? You want to cut him. You want to You want to not send him home with the team. <laughs> yes, exactly. You say, take, uh, get your other transportation on your own. Because <laughs> right. you personally. Yeah, you lost that game for you us. You lost the game. You took us out of the playoffs. Yeah. You. Yeah, that's a that's a tough one. We we had a chance to win in overtime. I'm not saying we would have won. We have a chance. And there's a lot. Are you saying we have a chance? Yeah, you have a chance. <laughs> there's there's a lot of people I think in New England who are starting to point fingers at Bill Belichick after watching Brady leave and win a Super Bowl. Obviously, not this year is good for Brady, but I think there's a lot of people who feel that, that Belichick has lost his his way or lost his touch. You can say that all you want. He's the best coach who ever lived. He is. So for people starting to turn on Belichick. Look, you look in the mirror. How's your life? How are you doing? Do you have all these titles? No. Stop. Stop. That so, was atrocious. This is the worst play ever. Did you watch the World Cup? Uh, so we were uh, we left for the for the morning the first half because we try and do this tradition where we let the boys pick out a small gift for each other uh, between you know Hanukkah and Christmas. So we we come back. Oh, happy Hanukkah, everybody! We're, we're prepping last Hanukkah. We are yes. yeah. The boys lit the candles. We are yep. prepping lunch as we see this crazy comeback, and we're watching the penalties with the kids. Uh, and you just start to see what this you know. I, I have I have friends who are supporting Argentina, and you just start to when you look back at sort of the legacy, you then start to think about the yes, the rings for the individual player, but then you think about the host and what that means in terms of legacy and the blurring between trying to separate this from Qatar's World Cup, from yeah. Argentina's win, from the individual achievements from these stars. But again, the stars that's what you that's what you want to see. But by the way, I don't even know that they have rings. This may also be an American concept to give rings. Sure, but we're I, just using I that as a placeholder for you know for yeah. championship. I, I will just say this: that if you if you say to me that Lionel Messi and Kylian Mbappe are the greatest stars of soccer, and I say, "Oh yeah, let's watch," they totally delivered. Oh yeah, Mbappe had three. They're down two nothing, and then they're down three two, and Mbappe scores each time. It's his. It's his hat trick. And then, by the way. The goalie. You go out there in the penalty kicks, and Mbappe is first, good, and Messi is second, good. They didn't let their team down at all. Mm-mm. Neither of them let their I team the down Argentinian at all. The goalie started celebrating during those PKs. I mean, he was getting chesty. Yeah. French goalie, he went one way. Yeah, he was committed. Yeah. He was going to the right. Did you see the Argentinian goalie afterwards? Oh, the gesture? <laughs> yeah. Well, he, he blocked two. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, he was great. This is great, but this is after they won. They gave him the trophy, you know, got the trophy or whatever. We do throw it on the ground. Oh, it was a bit of a vulgar gesture. Oh, with okay. It. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I didn't see. Makes you laugh and say, "What are you doing, man? Yeah. <laughs> you should be doing that." But that game was was insane. It was it was unbelievably, you know, entertaining. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, on PTI today, I assume it'll be the lead story. I don't, I wouldn't make it. I would make the NFL the lead story every single time. Um, but I assume it will be the lead story. Uh, and Wilbon will be, as he always is, completely enraptured with soccer. And I will say, you know, I don't know much about it, but it seemed to deliver. It seemed to deliver. So we'll take a break. And in fact, we will bring Michael Wilbon on the show. I'm Tony Kornheiser. For the past 20 years, you've enjoyed the refreshing tropical lime flavor of Mountain Dew Baja Blast. So in celebration of this milestone, we're bringing Baja Blast in stores nationwide. And for a limited time with every purchase of Baja Blast, you can collect coins for a chance to get Baja gear or a Taco Bell deal. 2024 is the year of Baja Blast. In stores now. No purchase necessary. Open to U.S. residents 18 plus. Subject to official rules at BajaBlast.com and 61524. Void where prohibited. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Decade by decade, decade by decade. The 60s belong to Russell and Will. Give it a Russell on account of the team thing. The 70s, you got Bill Watt and Lanny Wilkins, but it was basically just a Korean thing. The 80s, Magic and Bird shared equal. The 90s, Michael Jordan. The Arctic's Kobe and the teens, you gotta say, Steph Curry's golden. LeBron is second in the odds and the teens, maybe that makes him the best. And I realize I left out the 50s and so there's one thing you can be assured of. George Mike and other Minneapolis. 
Lakers is the only guy from them bad I've heard of. Decade by decade. The brilliant Dan Byrne. The brilliant Dan Byrne <laughs> playing in Michael Wilbon. There's three things to talk about. One is the ridiculous gag job by the Indianapolis Colts on Saturday. One is the World Cup and how incredibly satisfying it was on Sunday. And one is the worst play in the history of sports. In the history of sports. And if you're watching it live, you, you, and you're alone like I was, you don't know what to do. You're standing there looking at a television set. You see this play and you go, oh, my God, what, what, what? And you don't even have words. So let's just start with that. And then and we'll end with the World Cup because the World Cup is, is fabulous in its, in its way. What did you watch that? Were you watching that play? No, I wasn't watching that, oh. Tony. I don't. I, oh. I wasn't. I obviously, you know, I saw it a few minutes later, uh, and saw it over and over, and had everybody on text chain going yes. crazy. Yes. Um, but I, I did not see it in live time. I, I don't know why. I don't know what game. I might have been on a. Oh, you know what? That was on the Bears. Okay. I had I, I had I had red zone on. Yeah. But you missed uh, that in the play. upper right. But I, I had, I had the Bears on the big TV yesterday. I thought they played the best game they played all year in losing to Philly, but pushing the best team in the, in the NFL. Yes, they did. They played very well. Yeah, and so I, I, I thought, okay, you know, let me stay, let me stay with them the whole game on the big TV. So I was after World Cup, I was, I was locked into the Bears and S- figured that, them out. So, but, but yeah, the, the play itself is just like it's the worst play what ever. What are you doing what? First you're running backwards, then you're throwing backwards. Throwing. What? Yeah. Well, you gotta throw it. You can't throw it forward. I know, but, but you, you just you can't run 15 yards. What you, you're at the 15. Team is so is so divine. Yeah, it was. For, yeah. for Belichick to have that happen to his team was just great. It's it's so terrible. It is such a. T- I thought the worst play I'd ever seen in a big-time game, and this is not a big-time game, was that, you remember the play with Minnesota where the New Orleans safeties just, you know, gagged and Minnesota won to get into the NFC Championship and you just said, what are you doing? But this is so unbelievably stupid. Yeah. It's such, and it matters. It's not like, you know, I mean, takes you out the, the Patriots need that game. For playoffs. Yeah. That's right. Just terrible. All right. Yeah. Let me go back to the, the worst loss. And, and it's not like, oh, boy, that was a terrible loss. That might be the worst loss ever. No, there's no might. <laughs> That's the worst loss ever. Up 33 nothing oh, and 36-3. Yeah. It's Tony, the so, ever. Let me see. I was um, Saturday, Matthew had basketball practice. So um, I took him to, down to Gonzaga, and I went to the office. Right. And I got two hours to kill. And I said, I'm going to, you know, watch some of this game. Like, I, you know, I watch, again, I, I watch the Vikings and the Lions and the Packers and the Bears. I right. Those are the teams I watch primarily with greatest interest for me. And when, when, when the Colts start this scoring, my reaction was, they can't hold on to this. This is too fluky. The way they got the points so quickly, and the Vikings were like, "What? What is happening here?" Right. And the Vikings were bewildered. They were stunned. It was like a major, like a prize fight when somebody clips them early in the round, in the first round, and you, they don't know where they are. And so I pick up Matthew. He goes, "Dad, what are you doing? This is thirty-three nothing." I go, "Matty, the Vikings are coming back in this game." I said, "I'm not, not going to say they're going to win. The Vikings are coming back in this game. Keep the television on. Shut up." And so we watched it. The whole thing didn't turn. I was convinced for whatever reason. I was convinced the Vikings were going to make that a real game, but and, not and win. Yeah. But not yeah. win. I, I I thought they could. Really? I thought they could win. Yeah, yeah. I was I was convinced. That's why I stayed in the game. And early on, even after a couple of touchdowns, I was like, "Come on, Dad, why don't you? Why don't we watch? You know, you start you know, throwing college bat, college hoops is on. So and so's on. I shut up. I'm watching this. Go to your room and watch something else. I'm watching this." And um, it was, I, you know, 
I'm fascinated with the Vikings. I am. I think they're gonna. I think the Bears are gonna beat them. They have a game. They must be the last game of the season they play the Bears. Um, and maybe the Vikings will have nothing to play for, so they will right. lose. But right. I told you they were gonna lose to the Lions and the Bears. No, you're right about that. Let Let me ask you this: Matt Ryan has now been the quarterback Ugh. Ugh. in the worst situation ever in a Super Bowl ever, yeah. ever, and now the worst situation ever in yeah. a regular game. Ever. Yeah. Oh, he, he can't play anymore. He's god-awful out there. Yep. He can't move. We'd known that. I, I thought I knew that last year. Yeah. Much less early this year. I mean, we both said to each other in real time, Matt, Matt Ryan's got to go. Oh, it's over. my. And I, yet got, I thought he, he had the first really down. quickly. Yeah. And it happened. And it's, it's apparently from anybody you talk to, Matt Ryan's just a, a really you know, a nice guy. At one point, I mean, people talk about Matt Ryan in ways that suggest you know he's going to get Hall of Fame votes. Oh no, Tony, he's I, a t- good quarterback. He was the MVP one year, but he's not a Hall of Fame quarterback. No, I, I don't think so. No, but people talk about him getting votes again. You know, but I don't know how much this will hurt him. Well, somebody will stand up in a room if they're talking about him and say, hold on a second, Sparky. He was on the wrong end of the two worst games of all time. It's like the opposite of Frank Reich. (laughs) That's right. Had the greatest college comeback and the greatest program and the greatest pro comeback of all time. Right. So Ryan's got the the opposite, which is just sad. By the way, and I'll just make this as an aside. If and Mike, because you always criticize the coaches, most of the coaches in the NFL. Yeah. If you want to see what coaching can do. You look at Jacksonville. Yeah. You look at this guy, Doug Peterson, who the reason he left Philadelphia was he did not – he made a mistake. He didn't want Jalen Hurts. He's wrong. History will judge him wrong. But he went down to Jacksonville, and you look at them now. They're good. They're good. They, 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 they can win the division right now. That's coaching. Yeah. Yeah. They're well, they're well coached. Yeah, that guy – Urban Meyer, oh, no. This guy. All right, let's get to the World Cup. Um oh, I don't know much about, I don't know anything about soccer, but I know, I know this. I know, and I said this earlier before you got on the air, if you wondered if Messi and Mbappe were worth all the talk, Oof. boy, did they deliver, Oof. right? Boy, did they deliver. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, not only did they delivered, it delivered. Mm-hmm. The, the, the game, the, the quality of the competition, the, the Well, you did. You, you, yes, I know. And, and by the way, the commentary afterwards from people who've played soccer, yeah, like Lalas, said, oh, that's the greatest World Cup final of all time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there was, it was not even equivocal. I, and I, see, I can't compare it to other World Cups. I probably only watched the World Cup final four times. Yeah, three, four it's times. It's probably only my fourth one, yeah. fifth one. It's just the greatest sporting event. I found myself... My voice now is still hoarse. I was screaming. I was going crazy. And I wanted France to win. I wanted Mbappe to win. Uh I was not rooting against Messi. I wasn't. And it's funny because in my house, at the beginning of the tournament, two years ago, you know, first of all, I went to, as you've mentioned, I went to World Cup four years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, We went to Russia. And Matthew started getting into soccer a little bit then, and he's got friends who play. And they're on the Dean Kelleher trajectory. You know what I mean? Right. So these are kids who are at academies. They can't even play in high school. They're too good. They're going to be pros. And so those kids who are in the back of your car that you're dropping off somewhere all your life, these kids are now like real soccer players. And so I've gotten used to, you know, plugged into all of that. And Matthew started saying four years ago, Dad, France is my team. France is my team. Mbappe, you've you got to pay more attention to Mbappe. I'm like, what do you, you don't know anything. Shut up. <laughs> and so, you know, and then, you know, he's been into Mbappe and Benzema. I've been hearing this for four years. So I said to him at the beginning of the tournament, you got France, right? He goes, France is going to win. I'm rooting for France. And I said, okay, I'll give it to you. You've been on this forever, and I, I, I got to give it to you. And so yesterday... At the beginning of the game, I go, this is one of your, this is your greatest moment as a 14-year-old know-it-all. This is, one of your, this is your greatest moment, other than picking, other than saying, 
the Bears were going to trade up to get Justin Fields. This is your greatest moment. So, so revel in it. And he goes, well, yeah, but, you know, I'm rooting for Messi. I go, what? <laughs> what? Get out of the house. You're rooting for Messi. And he says, very calmly, yeah, I, I just want to see him get his championship. I, wanna, I want him to be, you know, confirmed as the GOAT, and so I want to see him win. And I'm like, all right, then we're on opposite sides because I'm rooting for France. I'm not rooting against Messi. But it, it's just for two dudes to deliver. They like, did. come on. They did. That's bird and magic. That's, that's the yes. only thing. He said, okay, Dad, what's greater than this in your lifetime? And I said, okay, there's a couple of greater things. I said, Ali, Ali Frazier is greater. Because that, too, is the world. The world. Not, 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 not the Patriots and some. No. You've got you to go world level. And so there are very few things. I said, there's some Olympic moments at a world level that I've been to. But I said, this is maybe the greatest team event I've ever seen at that level. And those two guys, they didn't deliver. Look, Tone, a, a goal and an assist each is, makes you a god in World Cup. They had more. Come on. Mbappe had Three. a hat trick. It's amazing. You can't take your eyes off of him. And I, I, I text messaged my brother. You and Don are frighteningly similar. It just mm. it's scary the crap you two believe. <laughs> I gotta live it's like an echo chamber. <laughs> I gotta deal with it every day in real life for forty years with you mm. and every day in real life for sixty years with him. Mm. And yeah. it's just awful. Because I gotta hear him say, you know, they could just have more shots on goal. <laughs> I'm like, shut up. Shoot it more. Yeah, shut shoot. up, Tony. <laughs> yeah. This is, it's so, and so during the game, he says, you know, this game is better have more shots on goal. I said, you know what? The, the horse is dead. Watch the game, idiot. Yeah. It's the greatest thing your eyes can see. It's really good. It was really oh good. Oh, my God. I felt that the highlight of the game for me, and I know I told you this, but I'm telling people who are listening now, at the end of regulation, when Messi put that shot on goal that the goalie kicked up on top yes. of the bar, he was 150 miles an hour. It was. Unbelievable. It was, it was Un out of a cannon. Yes, it was. It's going in. It's going yes. under the bar and yeah. into the net. Unbelievable. So that yeah, was. Clay, but how about at the end of the game when there's no time and everybody knows it's the last play? And Mbappe, who's played the whole game, right? And he's playing against a, a couple of subs now because you've got to try to stay with this guy. You can't. How about when he's on the left side and he's got this dude in front of him and it looks like Curly Neal. Yeah, he's, 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 he's yeah. got the guy on a string <laughs> it's just, and he's trying to get to great. his right foot in the center because he's going to win the game. You know he knows he's taking you out. He's already done everything he can to win the game. And he's gonna go. He was so disappointed when, when he couldn't get off the, the shot. shot that he wanted. And you're just like, come on, man. These dudes are the, the this is the greatest thing duel that goes down in, in, in the history of duels. There was and a I big don't deal. know the game either. I'm glad I've started paying attention the last I don't know, ten years. And I've really paid attention the last I told Cheryl, you can go crazy if you want. I'm going to P I'm going to Paris in the spring to watch PSG. I'm well, going. they must be they have both of these guys. Yeah. My God. How have. could anybody beat them? They got these guys. It's so great, and I don't, I don't like. I'd like to see PSG in Champions League. That's what you got to want to see. But the, what is it? You know, and I, I give my son credit at fourteen because he knows dynamic. He plays with players who he plays with kids who are going to be Division One players in college. We're going to watch on television. And he knows the difference between that and the guys who aren't. And he said, "Dad, how do you think that's going to affect them on the same team?" And I said, "Matthew, you know what? It could. It could now." I said, Mbappe doesn't have to take a back seat. I mean, Messi is the present, but Mbappe is the future. Sure. And he's already won one, and it looks like he's going to win another one, at least. And he's already, like, in the hall of ever. So maybe it doesn't affect him, but maybe it does. I don't know Messi's personality. I don't know Mbappe's personality. But if this, if this was American sport, 
And we knew the locker room. We knew what people were, and if they were prickly, and if they were like Kyrie Irving, right. or if they were unhappy like Kevin Durant, right. or if they were like Jordan and Bird, they would shove your face in it. We would have opinions about how this would affect. These dudes are on the same squad. Are you it's kidding me? just remarkable. But the greatness of it, Tony, I, I look, you and I have points of reference, and we do have Ollie Frazier, and we do have... Ben Johnson and Carl Lewis, we have stuff that we've seen in life that we know is the greatest thing we've ever seen. To me, this qualifies as that. That's interesting. It doesn't for me because I don't know enough about the game. But I will say this. I got a couple of messages from people, and the essence of the message was this. Um, This is a worldwide thing, and in their countries time stops as a result of this. And I understand that. And, and he, one or two people said to me, we don't have that here. And I said, we had it once. We had it in Lake Placid when we beat the Russians. And it's hockey. Yeah. It's not even our game. But that was something that everybody remembers. Yeah, but it, the thing is, it was still hockey. That's right. It's hockey. And it was our fifth, fourth, that, fifth thing. 100% right. But that no, was the one thing, thing I did remember. Did you see the pictures of Argentina? Have you seen the pictures? See the video? I assume they're going crazy in the streets. No, 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 no. It looks like every single human being in Argentina, in South America, right, is on the street in one time, in one place. The pictures look like they are art. It looks like no, no, no. That's not real. Okay, yeah, I believe that digitized thing. Maybe Nigel seen it. Maybe Michael seen it. it. the pictures are not real. So they I, make celebrations like the Cubs and the Red Sox. Yeah. They make that look like a neighborhood well, party. Yeah, because it isn't a city that won. It's the entire country that won. Yeah. And you've got to wait yeah. four years to do it again. And it's the sport they like the most. There's yeah. no sport in the United States that we as a people like nearly as much, because we're fragmented with a lot of sports, right. as they like soccer. Yeah. It's it's and and so the thought that we're going to be good at this, that well, we're going to win this in four not, years, not stop not, it! Not, you me ain't going to see that. Stop <laughs> it! We're not going to see that <laughs> no. now. You know, no. maybe in forty years. Why? Why do you think because that? Because you keep at it. Because you keep at it. Yeah, our you, best kids go to other sports. Well, but they may go to this sport. Maybe. They go to the, uh, what I'm telling you is we're long Tony, gone. Let me tell you the sport they don't go to in the DMV. They don't go to football except Caleb Williams. They don't. Except Caleb Williams. Look, I I take kids around. It changes, Tony. It it, it moves, and it moves so incrementally. That's why it's not going to happen while you and I are alive. Tony, the kids in the car, these are great athletes. They're going to play professional sports. And none of them has played football. None. Yeah, football's rough. And that's here. I know in Texas and California. In Florida, Florida, it's different. They still do. Yeah, it's different. But I'm just saying, they're, they're places now. They don't in Chicago. But they would... They don't. They this play, was they, never a football area. Never. Well... Never. It, no. Big but, cities but are not football areas because they are too yeah, confined. You can, to, you can point to some kids who came... You, you're right. You're right. I, you, yeah. you, you're unmistakably right. Yeah. But, Tony, there are some areas now where the best kids... First of all, there's some areas where basketball, like this one, where basketball is so dominant yeah. at the high school level that every kid can't make it. So at a school like St. John's or Gonzaga or, I mean, if you're a young woman at Sidwell, Sidwell, yeah. and you're the number one high school basketball team girls in America and you can't make it, those kids often, I'm told now, because I'm at these things, I go, who is that kid? Oh, you know, it's she or, or he. It couldn't make the basketball team. They're, they're playing soccer. They're playing football. It does happen. They play football. Oh, sometimes. okay. They've, yeah, yeah, tone, tone. It's a different, look, it's not the same as 20 years ago when people said, oh, yeah, we're going to play. No, it's not that forecast. It's, they're actually playing something else, and the something else might be soccer. soccer. But, but, but you're right now, yeah. It's, come on. When people think that we are top whatever team. Stop. Stop. Just please don't. Just look at the television <laughs> just and be walk. quiet. All right. I'll talk to you later. All right, Tom. Michael Wilbon, boys and girls. We'll take a break. Uh, Chuck Culpepper, who was at the game at the World Cup final, will join us. He has landed in Thailand where he's going on vacation. It's nothing I've ever. It's not a sentence that would ever come out of my mouth. I'm landing in Thailand. I'm going on vacation. I'm Tony Kornheiser. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, 
part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This man can't have nice things. I won't say he ain't trying. But don't stand outside in a lightning storm and don't give the lead to Matt Ryan. <laughs> Atlanta folks, they thought... We must be cursed, we're dying. Turns out it warned about Atlanta. It was all about Matt Ryan. <laughs> Biggest lead squandered at the Super Bowl. The lead more than two dozen. Now the biggest lead squandered in history to the Vikings and Kirk Cousins. 33-0 at halftime. That's the halftime lead they had. Now there's a man in an alley in Indianapolis, unshaven and sad. He might ask you for money. You might do a good deed. And he'll probably cry, what happened? We had such a big lead. (laughs) This man can't have nice things. I won't say he ain't trying, but don't stand outside in a lightning storm and don't give the lead to Matt Ryan. Don't spit in the face of an angry bull and don't give the lead to Matt Ryan. Brilliant. It's totally brilliant. (laughs) Yeah, as we said before, he's blown the biggest two leads, one in the Super Bowl and one in the regular season. There's just nothing left for him to do. Chuck Culpepper joins us now. He has been to the World Cup. He has left the World Cup. He is in a different country from the World Cup country. And we'll start with the game itself. Um, I, I, I don't know much about soccer. And I don't even know, not even much. I know almost nothing. But that was seemed to me a very satisfying end. I remember saying on television... I don't know if they're the best teams, but I think it's going to be the best final. You've watched these things in your life. That's got to be close to the best final you've ever seen, right? Yeah, I believe that's the best. Yeah, I believe that's the best final ever. You know, even, um, you know, ones in recent years like 2014 uh, in Brazil between uh, Argentina and West West Germany. Germany um, went to extra time, but not with the plot twists and quality of that one. And, and I just, I've tried all day to try to process the emotion that was in that stadium. It's just, it's just in waves and, you know, just impossible to process. I think it, I, I don't know that I've felt anything that steep in terms of emotion before. So um, I get notes during games from people, and I got two during that game, which said two nothing is the scariest lead in soccer. And you know, and I always think, well, how about one nothing? Because <laughs> you only need one. But apparently, that's a cliche that works. Have you ever seen that? Have you ever seen a team come back? And I know teams come back from two nothing, but then come back from three two the way France came back twice. Well, and that. And there's there's so many. First of all, the, the comeback from two nothing is in the 80th minute, minute and in the 81st. I, I, you never see it, you know, that seconds apart, you know, that close together. Very rare. And then second, for Argentina to recover, make some lineup changes, get some energy back, and then take the lead, that was impressive. And then third, for uh, France with, uh, and you know the. The handball that led to the penalty yeah. was uh, was um, off of a shot by Kylian Mbappe, who is the foremost memory of that game, I think, even in defeat, even with Messi there in the world. So happy for Messi. And his, you know, he changes the entire field to where I almost think they, sh- they should give him an assist for every goal they score because he's, he's altered the way people are having to defend. And so in that case, you know, yes, it's a handball. Yes, it feels kind of cheesy 
to to get to the three three draw like that at 118 minutes, but it's him, so he makes people do frantic things. I've watched a lot of sports, um, and stars often deliver. But when both guys deliver quite like this, when yeah. one guy gets two goals and the other guy gets three goals, and there's and you understand the enormity of the pressure that's on them. I mean that's that's a big deal, right? I mean that's the you can't ask even you can't even ask for that. It exceeds what you can ask for, right? It does. It it was well beyond. I think all of us, to some degree, uh, marvel at how anybody does that with a billion people watching. And you know how do you force your best effort and your and your best work while thinking of all that? And then and then you know. Messi has always been able to do that, at least to some degree, and he's 35 now. And then this this 23-year-old Mbappe, I mean, I actually think that the second goal at 81 minutes, which was brilliant, might be the greatest match of athlete to moment ever in sports. I mean, when you think about the stage, when you think about what was at stake, when you think about how he just scored a minute earlier and he just – this game with 22 people in it, he's, his will is, is commanding the game. I just, it was, it's just, I, I'm, I, I'm so imp- I'd rather watch him than any athlete in the world, I think. And, and Steph Curry, of course, I love watching. But with him, uh, there's, he's, he's just an absolute marvel. Yeah, Wil- Wilbon loves him. We just had Wilbon on. But Wilbon points out that both of these guys are on the same team. In Paris. Yes. How does that work? Yes. I mean, the, I assume I they're was, pals, and how does that work? I was wondering about this. I wonder if at any point in the remainder of this club season that's going to resume shortly, this oddball calendar, uh, you know, the World Cup's usually in the middle of summer. Yeah. But at any point, do they discuss that game? And I, I would say no is just as likely an answer is yes. Mm-hmm. Like just for the balance of this season, would you talk about it with your teammate? I don't, I don't know. Um, and you know, there's always camps and factions on these teams, especially as star-studded as they are. Remember, Neymar from Brazil is also on that team. I don't know how you really ever manage that, but um, yeah. Wow. So, I mean, yeah. Well, I, it'd be hard to be the manager. I think. Do or they easy, win all the know, time? I, I think hard. Do they win Champions League all the time? Oh, no. No. They don't? No, they don't. They don't. With those players? Had, um, well, it's just, it's just only lately that, they, that they've gotten all three of them together. But, you know, there's so many other factors involved. And, you know, that they also have that great defender from Morocco who was, you know, its best player and on it and part of its uh, historic push to the World Cup semifinals. So, but no, they've had a they've had a big long hiccup with that thing. They haven't been able to get through that. Mm. Thing. All right, are you happy to be out of there? What do you, What do you think? Looking back on it, what do you think of the way it was conducted in Qatar? Um, yeah, what do you think? I decided that uh, I, I I decided that on a on balance that I was by a very narrow margin, glad that it was there. Hmm. Um, I think it was extremely well run. Um, I, we all know what the concerns are with which we have from our culture major yep. objections and and I think really sound ones. Um, I probably had about 150 or 200 conversations with with uh, the guest workers who, you know, do all the work there. They're 88% of the population, people from other countries. I would say not not all of them or even close to all of them said that the World Cup had improved things for them, but the majority did. And, you know, these little details like they used to get paid in cash, which led to great acts of exploitation of them, and that's no longer allowed. So now they're paid through the bank like everybody else, and this is this has made things a little better. And, um, you know, I, I know what all the concerns are and ag- agree with them. But the overriding thing for me was that this was the most, this World Cup had more world in it than any other. There was a whole set of fan bases who got their turn 
at seeing it. Some like 60,000 people from India came. Wow. And, you know, sometimes it's hard to get a visa to Europe or the U.S., but easy to get a visa to this one. So they got a turn at it. It was much more of a of a melting pot than these are sometimes. Was there, were there any outward signs of repression? Or, or, or was everybody on their best behavior in terms of allowing all these people from other countries to come in and be themselves? I think, you know, I mean, I think um, one thing that was noticeable is that when they didn't have alcohol in the stadiums, and of course that was, you know, not ideal to go, to announce that hours before the thing has <laughs> Had yeah. started and yes. people have made the trip to your country. You know that should cost you some demerits in the long, in the long run. But it did. There was not this sort of frenzy in the air that you feel in some soccer cultures around the world. Um, I don't know. I don't know how much alcohol contributes to that country by country. I I do know that there are certain ones where it contributes mightily to that. But you sort of felt this whole sort of tame, polite air around the whole thing, especially because. As a culture and, and as other cultures around it from the guest workers, you know, alcohol is not a big deal in those cultures either. So I think I think it had this sort of a polite feeling to it the whole time. It is astonishing to me the one thing of all the things we talked about when you told me how many actual Qataris there are who live there. It's just right. a, it's just amazing. It's in the thousands. It's not in the millions. And- it's in the thousands. And, the, and they, you know, as some of the, the guest workers were telling me that you don't see them except in the, it's 300,000. You don't see them except in the, uh, in, in the mall sometimes and in their cars. Otherwise, they're at home. They tend to socialize at home. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's quite a phenomenon to be outnumbered to that degree in your own country. And... Um, and, you know, one thing they would, what that would happen when I would interact with Qataris is they would send their children over to say welcome to me in English. And, you know, their kids, all these kids, so eager to, to speak English all the time, you know. And the, so they would come up to me because they know it. They could, you know, my hair is kind of blonde. And they would see, you know, you okay, this guy's a visitor. And, and they would send their children. This happened four times. And uh, the little child would say, welcome. And then I would say, thank you so much, and smile at the mother, and, and she would be standing kind of in the background, maybe a slight little wave to me. And um, I don't know, I've, that was really charming. It's crazy. I, you know, I was taking these notes, will I ever get it again? Well, Russia gets these things, and China gets these things, so repressive governments get these things. Um, and who are we to say and no? The, so, you know, go ahead. And the Olympics question, you know, I think they want the Olympics. So really, well, they got and the I stadiums, some of the, I, well, and I, I think they've, they've got things in place where they could have it. Yeah. They've had track and field championships already and things like that. But I think one thing that's got to hurt is that beer decision, because I think that just threw sponsors for a loop to some degree. So, well, listen, um, I'm glad you went. I loved reading the stuff. I'm glad you're out. Have a wonderful vacation and we'll talk to you when you get back. Thank you so much for all of it, Tony. Thank you. Chuck Culpepper, boys and girls. We will come back with email and jingle. I'm Tony Kornheiser. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. It's time now for Tony's mailbag. It's time now for Tony's mailbag. It's time now for Tony's mailbag with faxes and no's. Tell Nigel to thank Bethesda Bagels and read all the smart, funny little emails. It's time now for Tony's mailbag. It's time now for Tony's mailbag. It's time now for Tony's mailbag. It's the end of the show. 
That's lovely. That's Biff Gott. Yes. It's lovely. You want to do the Bethesda Bagel ad? Bethesda Bagels. We love them. You will as well. Go to BethesdaBagels.com. What happened to the sandwiches? Not sure. You've I think a, they were... You've offended Tony. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> I'm not sure. I got there. They were running a bit behind, and they gave me the, the bag of regular bagels. I felt it was better just to Mondays take... Mondays or... Mondays is supposed to be sandwich day. Yes. But go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then Nigel, pop on in. have you been good this year? <laughs> You'll be thrilled. Thanks, Bruce. That's it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say, as the mayor of Faber, I have big responsibilities. Look, these parades you throw are very expensive. You're using my police, my sanitation people, and my Oldsmobiles free of charge. So if you mention extortion again, I'll have your legs broken. <laughs> Nita Meyer, dead. Mayor Thanks Carmel. to our guests today, Michael Wilbon and Chuck Culpepper. Thanks to our sponsors, Simply Safe Indochino and Masterclass. And remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. Jamie Julian, sorry you didn't get the uh, Kirk Cousins rant you were expecting. <laughs> oh, yeah. Jamie thought that was coming? Yeah. Yeah, that I was going to make fun of Kirk Cousins, but how could I do that? After the Patriots? <laughs> From Dave Clements, and this is a long one. I would say that I was a little since before the Know Your Heads days, but it actually goes back to my formative years of reading stolen snippets of that young whippersnapper Tony Kornheiser in the morning briefing section of the LA Times in the late 70s. That's the late 1970s, not 1870s. I've been reluctant to engage in emailing the show since the last time when my appearance on Know Your Heads engendered quite a kerfuffle, even though, as I pointed out at the time, I had won at every level except level two and level three. That's just so wonderful. It's Shaq. I've won at every level except college and the pros. What are the levels of <laughs> Then yesterday, I heard you read an email from Jeffrey Lieber, the currently unofficial hour-long showrunner of the Tony Kornheiser show explaining the Don Olmeyer-approved reason for the dearth of TV show theme songs and felt the pull of the show's connective tissue tugging at my now clumsily tapping fingers. Mr. Lieber and I were roommates for a semester when we were both aspiring thespians at the illustrious University of Illinois Theater Department in the early 90s, along with another roommate who Greg Garcia would love to have on his next podcast. Do some research, Nigel. As I live in St. Paul and Jeffrey in California, we have never discussed our shared littledom, but maybe, just maybe, if Jeffrey hears this email, he will know that he is not alone in this big, bright, wonderful world. Maybe this holiday season, two men will be brought together across dozens of years and thousands of miles by their shared love of a bald orange septuagenarian and the magic of talk, radio-inspired podcasting. Because he may very well not remember me, but I sure as heck fire <laughs> remember him. It's a great email. Uh, from, uh, from Rich Johnson about the Baltimore trilogy, of which we talk about Diner right. and Tin Men and Avalon. A bit late, but I wanted to add about Diner, Tin Men, and Avalon, the so-called Baltimore trilogy by director Barry Levinson. There was a de facto fourth movie in this trilogy, The Much Overlooked Liberty Heights, which came out in 1999. Oh. The movie was about the Baltimore Jewish experience of the 1950s. Joe Montaigne and B.B. Newirth were the parents of two sons, played by Ben Foster and Adrian Brody. The previous movies each had a memorable scene. In Diner, it was the gravy and fries. You're going to finish that scene? Tin Men had the great discussion about Bonanza, a 42-year-old man with three 35-year-old sons. <laughs> Avalon is, in my mind, famous for the immigrant grandfather trying to grasp the difference between can and may, as explained by his grandson's elementary school teacher. In Liberty Heights, the younger son is a Frank Sinatra fanatic and never lets anyone change or turn off the radio if there's a Sinatra song playing. His admonition of friends and even the angry father of a not-to-be girlfriend, you don't walk out on Frank. It's lovely. <laughs> From Paige Hinn, because it says it rhymes with Schwinn, so Paige Hinn. This is my first time writing in despite having thought about doing so several times, like when I won my office March Madness pool, thanks to pics from your guests. When I, as an Oregon native, wanted to correct your pronunciation of Tillamook, and most recently, when I spent a weekend in D.C. with the person to whom I'm related by marriage and we made a pilgrim to Bethesda Bagels, and indeed they sent a photo. But since I just had an MRI that revealed the root of a months-long back issue. Today's talk of insurance woes compelled me to email immediately, if not only to say I hope you get this resolved and figure out a way to find relief, which looks like surgery, honestly. Not that you asked, but my 15-minute scan was billed at $1,106, of which I was responsible for 301, which makes Whopper look like a great deal. Thanks for countless hours of entertainment over the years. I was a lapsed little, but rediscovered the podcast during the pandemic and got my husband hooked last fall. Now we often find ourselves discussing an episode over dinner after listening separately during our workdays. Feel better soon. Thank you. Thank you, Paige. From Jeff Barger in Hillsborough, North Carolina, who emails a lot. One of my fourth grade students asked me why they made two movies from the last Harry Potter book. I've never been more ready to answer a question. With a big smile, I replied, the answer to all of your questions is money. <laughs> from the Reverend David Howell, 
I know I'm behind, but I want to add my voice to those welcoming Right Reverend Nigel to the clergy. The fact that he has experience working holidays will definitely help the transition. Hearing that Nigel so successfully officiated at a wedding helps me to gain a greater understanding of what it must be like to be Jeff Ma. He's a trained professional with years of knowledge and experience in his job, and then one day he finds out a monkey can do it better. <laughs> Please share with Nigel these inspiring words from my grandmother when she heard I was going into the ministry. It's too bad. He had so much potential. <laughs> it's great. From Cornelius of the United Simeon Alliance. Uh-oh. To whom it may concern, please find attached a letter to your program from the USA on behalf, United Simeon Alliance, on behalf of our client and member, Reginald. Please do not hesitate to contact us if you have questions. And it's a long, <laughs> lovely thing about the United Simeon Alliance, Simeon Alliance, which is ape shall not kill ape, <laughs> is their slogan. From Chris Lindsay in Tacoma Park, Lindsley in Tacoma Park, not Lindsay of Lindsay Motors, but Lindsley of Tacoma Park, Maryland. I can one-up the people who were born on 8888 and 222. My daughter Olivia, Olivia was born on 9999, weighed 9 pounds, 9 ounces. She was born at 902. We thought briefly about naming her Nina, but cooler heads prevailed. <laughs> From Sean Plaskina in Virginia Beach. Are we playing a new game about people's birthdays? If, oh, if so, I would submit my wife's birthday of 7777. It's the best, worth birthday, best and worst birthday ever because I never have an excuse to forget it. If she hears this, she would be furious I outed her age. But considering the eye roll I get every time I mention the rants of an old, bald, orange, reckless, I'm willing to risk it. Can she unknowingly be the official number seven birthday of the Tony Kornheiser show? Mm-hmm. Yes, sure. Sure. From Glenn Cherepovich in Payson, Utah. Not sure if we're still doing this. 210 pounds. I met Catherine Hepburn once. A dog's name is McElroy, named after Rory, a micro mini golden doodle. He has his own Instagram. Anyway, I'm having my second MRI in January on my right shoulder. Then in February, my high school friend and college roommate, Dr. Litsi, a Yale med school graduate, will get his wish to cut me open. I'm a little nervous. If you don't hear from me before March 2023, please send Reginald and the Cursing Louisiana guy to find me. I digress. Did I use that correctly? Uh, my oldest child, the non-masculine child's birthday is February 3rd, 2004. That's right. Two, three, four. Ooh, that's a good one. Also, are there any littles in Utah? I haven't met any, and I wear my chatter t-shirt. Uh, that is uh, literally in our will. I'm not kidding all the time. <laughs> eat, it. eat it. Kevin Brown, he writes. Brandon Costello writes, you know, as a great theme song, Applebee's. You ever hear that one? That's funny. <laughs> That's actually funny. From Jason in Bowie, Maryland, you take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and there you have the facts of life, the oh, facts of life. Sure. Seared into my brain like so many 80s sitcom jingles, which also starred a young George Clooney. At some point. Oh, that's right. He did, he did get appear on that. And he wants to announce the birth of a masculine child, his son Ivan, which was July 11th, and that was a couple of years ago, 2020. From Jim Berry in Woodbine, Maryland. I read earlier this week that Scott Boris had described the rebuilding Orioles as birds of prey, and my first thought was, I wonder what ever happened to David Falk. As the kids might say, tell me you're a long time little without telling me you're a long time little. That's pretty good. Um, Wade Harley, Queenstown, Maryland. I had my first David Aldridge moment when Pat Forty mentioned Little D2 School, Lenore Ryan, beat Louisville uh, at a men's college basketball game. Lenore Ryan, I know that school. I went to that school. I was on many a list in the dean's office at that school, just not the dean's list. Lenore Ryan University is in Hickory, North Carolina. Famous alumni include Rick Barnes, Tennessee basketball coach who's affectionately known as Little Ricky from Hickory, and Kyle Duggar, the starting safety for the New England Patriots. I hope he didn't throw the thing backwards. <laughs> I don't think he did. Uh, from Gary <laughs> Van Giesen or Van Geisen. Love the new clean look you've adopted. I can only surmise you're trying to impress Jacqueline Smith. You should be hearing from her soon. Hope your sister isn't offended by it. <laughs> and from Ruffin Bailey in Charleston, South Carolina. A Sam Sessoms update. Remember Sam from oh, Binghamton? Yes. He's Sam- now on his fourth school. Uh, using that transfer portal. Where it goes, Tuesday, Sam? Coppin State played NC State in Reynolds for Valvano night, which means as a little NCSU alum in attendance, I'm on the Sam the man Sessoms duty. I could tell you the Coppin State offense ran through Simmons like he was Luca, that he played the entire game until the last two minutes of garbage, and in the stat line was 8 for 17, 3 of 4 from 3 for 24 points to go with 9 assists, which would have been 13-plus if anyone else could shoot threes. Or I could tell you what my dad, what the dad behind me kept telling his son, quote, that number three can play. God dang, he sure can play. I wanted to say some mean pinball, but I resisted. Not sure what little covers East Carolina, but you're all up for Sesame's duty this Sunday from Ruffin Bailey. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. Yes!